Thank you, Brother Ruben Capistrano, faithful minister of God in his music ministry for us. We are blessed and we want to bless others. Invite others to listen to him as you study our, join us in our study and our worship services. May God bless you more and more. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us really extended the time because we live one day at a time. You have extended the time to us to be able to continue to learn how to study God's Word so that we can derive the maximum, the, the, the greatest blessing that God has intended for us to receive, for His people to receive through the written and the spoken Word, especially through the Holy Spirit. So we continue our studies today and we ask that the Holy Spirit will imbue us with the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tomorrow is supposed to be Mother's Day and we need to address this little holiday. It's a big thing because in the Bible, God has a very special place for mothers. It is in their womb that the soul is prepared to come into this world. And not till he's, the child is born is the child member of this earth. So let's not look beyond that. It is when Christ was born that he fulfilled the promise that he would be born of a woman. And his days began to be numbered from the day that he was born. Very important trying to analyze all these problems about abortion and all that. But here's something I'd like to share with you relative to the way our minds can be prepared to be the abiding place and to be the workplace of the Holy Spirit in our conscience. And it has to do with our body and what we do to our body. And especially as addressed uh, as the word temperance is applied. Now, Paul wrote in, in, in first, or rather, not, here's where Peter comes in. He says, there in first Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. How is that? Is the war going on? Yes. But it's the fleshly lusts. And, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, you want to win a race, you have to unburden your body so that you can run the race and win it. Okay, And so what is? And so the Spirit of Prophecy talks about this as the health should be as sacredly guarded as the character. The health should be as sacredly regarded as the character because God made us. Every nerve, every muscle, every fiber, the law of God, the law of nature, which God brought into that, the body, and the organs of the body. So the health should be sacredly guarded as the character. And that's from councils uh, to teachers and parents, page 294. Another one here, mess, I love this, Ministry of Healing. The body is the only medium through which the mind and the soul are developed for the upbuilding of the character. 
The body is the only medium through which the mind and the soul are developed for the upbuilding of the character. And then the brain, the brain is the capital of the body. If that perceptive faculties become benumbed through intemperance of any kind, what happens? This is what we've been studying and continue to study. Eternal things are not discerned. Once more, the brain is the capital of the body. If the perceptive faculties become benumbed through intemperance of any kind, then the eternal things are not discerned. The brain is affected by the condition of the stomach and intemperance, as Paul writes, and Peter writes, is sin. If you think about what sin is, that is intemperance, it is sin. Now I'd like here a mother, a mother who is, whose, whose motherhood is commendable because the fruits of her labor as a mother was self-evident. And what was it? She was the mother of two sons. One is named John, the other is Charles, the last name Wesley. The mother of these two men who founded the Methodist Church, the Wesleyan Church, her name was Susanna. Susanna Wesley, what did she write? And it's recorded. She says, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes the reddish off spiritual things. In short, whatever increases the strength and the authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in itself. Remember what James wrote? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So this is really a tribute to the godly mothers in the mold like of the Susan, Susan Wesley. She understood what the element of sin is, and she understood the direct relationship of temperance to the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. So let's get back to where we were. And the last time we were discussing this, and turn to the book of Romans. Paul wrote the book of Romans, and this is what he wanted to share to the church in Rome, especially to the people living under a Romanist, Romanist element in, that surrounds us. Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 5 to 10. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 10. Turn to your Bibles. Let it speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit guide your minds. Romans 8 verses 5 to 10. Verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity. The word enmity on the margin says opposed. So the, the carnal mind is opposed against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Verse 8, so they that are in the flesh, 
that's the carnal, fleshly state of the mind, cannot please God. Now, I just remember this word please because Enoch's life, that seventh patriarch from Adam, well, his life, not merely the verbal testimony of words, but his life was that, the testimony was, according to, the, to Hebrews 11, it was he pleased God. And for how long did his life testimony please God? For 300 years. That's three centuries. And as a reward for pleasing God over the length of time, in that most wicked period of the earth's history prior to the flood, he was translated to heaven without tasting death. You see that in Genesis 5, 21 to 24, and then Paul repeats that in Hebrews 11, verse 5. So back to our Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, we just read this in John, the Holy Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God, you, he is not of his. In other words, he is not of God. Even if he claims to be a student of God's word, and he claims to be a Christian, and he claims to go to church every week faithfully, he claims to be praying, and appears to be praying, and really is praying, if he does not have the Spirit of God. And here we're told that it, to have the Spirit of God is to get rid of that, that carnal mind. In verse 10, here's the assurance. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. In other words, sin has no more life. That body of sin is dead. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So as we read this, we better begin to understand that the spiritual life is righteousness. The literal life is temporal. And the life in the flesh of a fleshly mind is death. And how beautiful the verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, literal death, dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Quicken means to give life to your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So Paul talks the same language as did John, for they came from one Holy Spirit. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, that's the church. We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Not there, not to the flesh. Because it says in verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit. Now remember in John we talked about bringing things to remembrance, being guided, being led by the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Now this, this line here tells us that not all are the children of God. As, as you hear that often said, oh, they're all children of God. There is a condition of sonship. And we will talk about this sometime. The condition of sonship 
even Paul in his writings does not say all of you are the children of God. He says there are children of God, but there are also children of darkness. There are children of disobedience. There are the sons of Belial or the children of the father, your devil. He said that to the Pharisees. So we need to understand that. Now let's turn to another epistle of Paul, this time to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 to 14. Get your Bibles out, write them down, read with me. Now, verse 7 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. It's for our benefit. See, this, this wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, is for our benefit. And therefore, we must ask and seek and knock for it through the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says, which none, none of the princes of this world, that phrase means the wise men, the great men, the kings of the earth, none of the princes of this world knew. For, he says, that's the evidence. Had they known it, this wisdom of God in a mystery, this hidden wisdom, these deep things of God, they're supposed to know it. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So you know what this is referring to. And verse 9 says, But as it is written, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men. Whoa, look at this. Has not entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So you look at this word prepared. It's the same Greek word to which we will find in John 14, 1 to 3, where it says, I go to prepare. We're going to talk about that coming up in our series. But in verse 10, it says, and referring to that wisdom of God in a mystery, that hidden wisdom, the deep things of God, he says there in verse 10, but God has revealed them. You see that? What is those them? The wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom. And how has he revealed that to us? Which we're studying right now. He has revealed that unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Now you understand these things here that is being talking about is the things in our hearts and in our minds. And the deep things of God. Verse 11, 4 is the analogy. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? In like manner, it says, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So if you and I would want to know and understand and properly appreciate the deep things of God, the mystery of God, the wisdom of God in the mystery, that hidden wisdom, we will know it. But if we want to know that, it has to be only through the Spirit of God. So verse 12, now it says to you, those who have received it, now we have received not the Spirit of the world. That's an enmity in opposition to God. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That we might know which one, the things that are freely given to us of God, a gift through the Holy Spirit, the deep things of God through the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, 
which things also we speak. That is his confession of his ministry. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Mark that. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. There's a difference between the two. It says, he speaks not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. How? Here we go again. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And verse 14, make sure we don't lose the thought. But the natural man, we began this by studying the carnal mind, not the spiritual mind. The natural man does not receive the things of God because they are foolishness to him. Neither can he even know them because they have to be spiritually discerned. Now, here's my, here's where I'm going to make a plea. Please do not attempt worse in, in, in spiritual pride or sheer laziness, and I would say spiritual immaturity or childishness, not childlikeness, do not even attempt to presume to compare carnal things with spiritual things and or vice versa. Because as we have been studying even from David's own words, this is utter foolishness or he calls it folly. And is in fact one of the major causes for the unabated, worsening global pandemic. Curse and fatal, and I call this the fatal, fatal spiritual disease that is worse than COVID and all its variants put together. And what is that? Misapplying and mis misinterpreting and thus changing the meaning of God's word, which is one of Satan's most devastating strategies that is wrought to the false churches and false religions that result in what? What happens in the Bible being derided, mocked, and hated? This is also what Jesus meant in this passage, which is found in Matthew 7, verse 6. What did Matthew write about that? He says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them, that's the pearls, and that which is holy, they trample them under their feet. And not only that, they turn and tear you into pieces. You better read that for yourself. You try to mess around with God's word. This is how Jesus himself illustrated that in very, very strong words. He says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls to the swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now, you know, God's final merciful warnings to the world and to mankind that is actually hastening to its prophesied final destruction are proclaimed by the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. However, pay attention. The last warning, the very, very last warning, of the whole Bible is given in this fearful word. It's found in Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, this is now John writing as a witness 
For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, the Bible. If anyone adds to these things, what will God do? God will add to him the plagues. The plagues that are written in this book. Verse 19, And if anyone takes away from the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, that's the New Jerusalem. We'll study this, what New Jerusalem refers to later. And from those things that are written in this book. So, isn't that clear? How can that be once saved, always saved? Your names and mine may be written in the Lamb's book of life. But if we in any manner add or take away, misinterpret, worse change, or say it's been abrogated, watch out. Because that name that was written there in the book of life will be taken away. So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 and 19. This is how to discover and how to study God's Word, line upon line, principle upon precept. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Let no man deceive himself. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in the world, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Verse 19, why? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. For it is written, it is written, he taketh the wise in their craftiness. And verse 20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain, the thoughts. Now, let's look at this a little bit more. Examine it according to the other verses of scripture. The psalmist in the Old Testament, Psalms 94, 11, wrote, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of men, that they are vanity. Also Paul wrote in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, You know this, we need to bring it in as part of the understanding of how to study the Word of God. Because it says, Paul writes in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, For the Word of God is quick, meaning living, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is that? Discernment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 to 27 and 30. Again, we read, For it is written, all speak of the same thing that we're studying now, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring it to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer or the, the debaters and demagogues? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish 
the wisdom of this world. And then in verse 21, For after that is the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom know not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So to the world it's called foolishness, but by God that is his wisdom. Verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. And then in verse 26, we read, For we see your calling. Now, this is very special to me. We all have a calling. You have a calling. We're supposed to be called to be chosen of God. There is a calling. For you see your calling, brethren. So it's not addressing to him. It's not to Paul as a minister of God. But to the brethren, the members of the church. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, that's a common mind, not many mighty men, not many noble men are called. And verse 27, but here's what he says, but God has chosen, that's talking about the chosen things and chosen people of God. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound now, what is the word confound there? According to the margin, it says, to put to shame. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise of this world. And then God has chosen the weak things that the world considers weak things to confound the things which are mighty. So verse 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. What are the things despised? A straight testimony. The pure truth, the unvarnished truth of the Bible, not the peace and safety messages. These words are despised. Hath God chosen? That's what God has chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring the to naught the things that are. Verse 21, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. When we come face to face with God, we'll all melt away. In verse 30, but I love this because there is an assurance. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. And underline this. What has God in Christ been made unto us? He became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The end is redemption. We all need to understand what Paul has written about how to study the Word of God and what to benefit from. And specifically, he defines what are those things if we know how to study God's Word. So we close on those verses knowing that we should have learned by now a little bit more than we did before. Why? Well, it's about time. It is high time because our salvation is much nearer than when we first believe. I want to linger on that promise. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered, entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for whom? For them that love him. And as Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for waiting on us, lingering, extending your, your mercy, your long-suffering towards impudent, 
stubborn, hard-hearted people. We're all among them, but there are people who will choose to listen to the still small voice of the Spirit and respond and open our hearts to let you in, to let the Holy Spirit into the hearts of men, into our own hearts, never to leave us. Because we're told in Ephesians 4 verse 30, at the end of the work of the Holy Spirit in this earth, He will seal us unto the day of redemption. All these things we ask, plead, ask, seek, and knock for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.